Now, the title of this morning's message is The Difference of Defilements. The Difference of Defilements. So let's uh, do uh, ourselves a favor and just let's get to our feet and we're going to read the Word of God and uh, ask the Lord to bless our time together. All right. So the difference of defilements. Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, Why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. You need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Oh, Father, we, uh, we thank you, Lord, for this morning as we have read through these verses. Father, I pray that even now you would be preparing our hearts to receive the instruction of these words that we may better understand them, Lord, to your glory and really truly to the benefit of your people. Understanding what it is that you prefer, what it is that you desire for us to understand and know and apply to our lives. And so, Lord, we want to commit this morning into your hands, Lord. We ask your blessing, Father, that you would truly help us to understand what defiles a person and really the things that do not. And so we commit this morning into your hands, Father. We thank you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. To defile is to desecrate, to spoil, to profane, to violate, and also to dishonor. The issue that we have before us this morning is the question as to what defiles a person. What is it that truly defiles the people? You see, the leaders had sent from Jerusalem uh, an official group uh, coming and confronting Jesus I'm sure not with this, but this is exactly what they stumbled upon. And we learn as Jesus responds to this question, what it actually means to be defiled and how it is that a person is defiled. Tradition and experience can lead a person to make something law that isn't law at all. And unfortunately, we have churches that are very good at doing that. And so we should always keep in mind, we should always be humble and pliable before the Lord as we go through and we understand what he has to say through scripture. The Lord may be even correcting that which we once realized or once, what we once thought was, uh, was law and really wasn't. There's a story that I heard about a young bride who was making her first big dinner for her husband and she did her best to cook uh, her mother's brisket recipe. And in so doing, she cut off the ends to the roast like her mother always did. She asked her husband what he thought of the brisket, and he said, it was delicious, but why did you cut off the ends? 
That's the best part. And she answered, that's the way my mother always made it. The next week, they went to the bride's grandmother's home for dinner, and she was making the same brisket, and she, too, cut the ends off of the brisket, the roast. So this prompted the young lady to ask her grandmother why she cuts off the ends of the brisket, to which she replied, sweetheart, that's the only way it'll fit in the pan. (laughs) There are many times that we too can cut off what should be left whole and make things to be law that aren't law at all when it comes to the Bible. Kind of cutting off the best part. Like, why'd you do that? We can have the same answer. We don't know. We just saw someone else do it. We just repeated what someone else told us. But we really don't know. Jesus is confronted with the question of defilement. The religious leaders took offense that he was okay with his disciples violating what they consider to be a solid commandment. But Jesus will respond strongly to this accusation and turn it into a lesson for the people, the common people, the people that were being taught in opposition to the word of God, and also his closest disciples as he brings them in closely. This lesson to teach them of what truly defiles a person. The warning here is that if you've been in church for any length of time, you begin to hear, even within the church, things that sound good, but are not actually the word of God. That's why I always tell you guys, hey, listen, even when you, when you come on Sundays, when you come on Wednesdays, I, I personally, if they're my words, they're not the final word. You need to test all things. You need to make sure that what I'm teaching is sound, is sound doctrine. That's your responsibility. I will be held accountable for teaching the word of God. Yes, absolutely. And that is a heavy responsibility. But at the same time, I want to let you know, church, that you're responsible for your own research and making sure that what's taught from this pulpit and any pulpit, the radio, anywhere on TV, is actually sound doctrine. You need to do that. So here's what we've heard. Have you heard this? God helps those who help themselves. You have. What verse is that? No, in fact, Jesus came to help those who couldn't help themselves and is the business of continuing to do that to this very day. Um, How about this? And and I know that this is uh, one of those things that, um, man, there's still debate today over this a lot. There's a priority list that I follow, and you've heard me say this. Why? Because it's kind of a pet peeve, you know. First is, then my... If you're married, your your spouse should be your spouse, right? Right? Okay. Then your your children, and and this is how it is: your children, right? And then your job, and it goes like that all the way down to it's like ministry. Why? 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 Why is it that ministry is kicked to the curb? Why? Because that's down here. It's it's down here, right? It's like if anything is going to go, it's the ministry. Well, is that biblical, though? Because really, that's the question that we should be asking ourselves. Is that biblical? Well, the Lord should be preeminent in everything, no? So God is first in 
my marriage. God is first in my home and my relationship with my children. God is first in my work, in my job, in my career. God is first in my ministry. You know, the whole idea of balance, right? Has anyone ever achieved balance for any length of time? No, neither have I. What it is, life is just, it's kind of a juggling act. Accept it to be that, right? The Bible never teaches that, hey, listen, if you, if you get everything straight, life will be smooth as a lake in the morning, right? It, it won't be. It's not like that. You're constantly reprioritizing, and it all depends on your responsibilities, what you're being held accountable for. Really, God should be first in everything. And sometimes you sacrifice one thing for the integrity of taking care of another. And that's how you are teaching others and you're teaching even your family and your spouse that God is first in everything. Um, How about God won't give you more than you can handle? Ah. He will always give, he will give all the time give you more than what you can handle. Why? So So he'll show you how it is that you need to trust in him. Uh, in fact, just jot this down, because if you're of that mindset to, God, to you know, thinking, God will never give me more than what I can handle. I, I want to I think that. I want to believe that, but that's not true. Jot down 2 Corinthians 1, 8, and 9. In fact, this is important. So second, I'm going to read it. <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers. Don't want you to be unaware. Of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we are so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Ah, okay. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Ah, okay. So we debunked that, right? It's not true. He will give us what is beyond ourselves so we would learn to rely on him. How about this one? The devil made me do it. That, you know what? That's a good scapegoat, but that's not true either. The devil did not make you do it. Jot down James 1.14. Because you yourself, as you were tempted, were allowing yourself to be dragged away by your own evil desires. That's really what it comes down to. So that's where we need to take full responsibility and accountability for our own actions, and that is where the Lord would like us to come to. So why? So we could repent of our sins and be reconciled unto the Father. And there are many other that could be made up and turned into biblical, quote-unquote, law within not only the church but also the family unit, and we'll learn what true biblical defilement is as was taught by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from his mouth. Number one, he was confronted with false tradition. We read these first nine verses. Uh, Is all tradition good? No, not all tradition. Is tradition just as important, and does it hold the same authority as the Word of God? No, it does not, right? Verse 1 once more, then the Pharisees, then Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? 
but they do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your traditions? Your tradition. Number one, Jesus is confronted and accused of breaking tradition. Jesus uh, had really caught the attention of the religious leaders so much so that they sent an official delegation uh, up from Jerusalem to the area of Galilee uh, in which he was teaching. These Pharisees and scribes come to Jesus and question him, asking him why it was that he was allowing his disciples to break, to break the tradition of the elders. Why, why are you allowing them to do this? They're not washing their hands before eating food. The tradition was washing their hands before they eat. By the way, this was not a matter of, clean, of cleanliness. They were not concerned about personal hygiene or their health. It's like the Pharisees and the scribes were really worried about you guys. Oh man, you go out all day and you walk and you shake hands and you don't wash your hands and we're, we're really grossed out here. And so we want to make sure that you guys are healthy and not getting sick. So why is it that you allow your disciples not to wash their hands before they eat? They weren't concerned about that. Not at all. They were referring to a ceremonial washing that was commanded by tradition, the, the tradition of the elders. There were many extensive rituals that had been established uh, within the Jewish community by this time that were required to be followed by the people. Uh, they were heavy burdens that were placed on the people. Washing before meals was one of these rituals, and it was considered to defile a person if this was not followed. Again, not for reasons of cleanliness, but because the ritual itself was established by the elder tradition to be observed. In fact, it was taken so seriously that many rabbis taught, and it was well known among the people, that any person who ate with unwashed hands were sinning just as greatly as if one had been intimate with a harlot or a prostitute. On the same level. Same level. The words of the scribes and rabbis were considered to be, at times, even more weighty than the law of God and the prophets. That's what we have come to know as the Bible. And so, Jesus answers this uh, confrontation by the Pharisees and the scribes he says in verse 3, And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? So Jesus didn't deny. We, we want to also know here, Jesus did not deny that his disciples broke, did not break. He didn't deny that they broke the traditions of the elders. In fact, in that answer, he actually admitted that they broke the tradition of the elders. In the New King James Version, it says, And why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? You have to admit that this was a very strong response by Jesus. He, he didn't, he didn't uh, ignore it. He didn't look the other way. Uh, sometimes when uh, you know, we hear someone say, Well, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. Um, well, it's not in this sense. We need to take that in proper context. We need to be prepared to give a defense for, you guys know the rest? For the hope that lies within you. Yeah, right. So we should. 
And he gave a very strong response to these religious leaders because they were far more concerned about the ceremonial observances rather than understanding where they were in conflict with the law of God and the prophets, the Bible. Why was Jesus so strong in his response? That's really, that's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Why, why is it that he, re, he responded very strongly to their statement and their question? Because these traditions place the people further from God. In fact, even set up roadblocks to deny them access to the Lord. Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to seek and save the lost, to give them access to the Father, not deny them access to the Father. And these people were denying them access to the Father. That's why he answered so strongly. And then Jesus provides an example for them to consider. Verse 4 As he continues with his response, he says, For God commanded, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if anyone tells his father or his mother, what you would have gained from me is given to God. He need not honor his, his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. And so this is the fifth commandment, and uh, it's the first one with promise, Right? And so Jesus provides this example of the breaking of God's commandments by following the tradition of the elders. And Jesus quotes Exodus Exodus chapter 21, verse 17. The honoring of parents does not fade, it does not change, it does not stop, does not cease to exist when a person comes into adulthood. The honoring of parents continues. It continues on throughout our lives. What they were doing is saying that all of their possessions, all of their finances, everything that they had was Corbin. It was all dedicated to the, to the Lord. It was an offering to God. And by considering all of these things as an offering to God, well, they would make all that they had really unavailable to help their parents. Even though they still held possession and stewardship of these um, material goods and these finances, um, they would make them unavailable for their parents if they were in need and said, it's an offering to the Lord, it's not yours. Everything. And even through this, they were considered to be very pious and upstanding Jews among the people. Well, this went completely against the word of God, against even the fifth commandment. And Jesus called them out. Again, this was a strong response by Jesus. And he called them out. What did he call them? Hypocrites. You hypocrites is what he told them. And then he quoted Isaiah 29, 13. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy prophesy of you? Can you imagine that? He has the Pharisees. These are religious leaders. It's an official delegation from Jerusalem. They were sent from Jerusalem to check them out. And he's calling them out. You hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah, Isaiah prophesy when he said this, right? This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Wow. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. It is possible to sound and even look like people who are honoring the Lord, but 
our hearts being far from him. And, and even our worship is in vain. It's empty. It's worthless. It's not there. Why? Because everything's on the surface. It's all like whitewashed tombs, right? It looks good on the outside, but full of dead men's bones. It's something that when the Lord, when we offer the Lord our, our everything, our lives, it should be genuine, sincere. It, it should come with the full knowledge of why it is that we, we're responding in such a way. We love because he first loved us. We understand that he gave us, he, he, he gives us in exchange for our sins and, and everything that we've done to offend him. In exchange for that, giving that to him and asking him for forgiveness, he gives us eternal life. That's amazing. It's this legal exchange. When Jesus died on the cross, he shed his blood for you and I. It was a full payment for our sins, past, present, and future. Our, God, our, our heart should not be far from the Lord. It should not be something superficial. God desires that our words and actions match the heart of man. For the Bible says that God knows the intents and the thoughts of the heart. Him we cannot deceive. We, we can't ever deceive the Lord. We can m- maybe deceive each other, but we can never deceive the Lord. Jesus taught as he quoted Isaiah that these people were worshiping in vain, empty. It meant nothing. And their teachings were not valid. They were liars and deceivers trying to pass off the commandments of men as doctrines of God. If that's not strong, I don't know what is. Here's another statement that I know uh, people in, unfortunately teach this. We're all God's children. I'd like to believe that. But really what is meant by that oftentimes is we're all created by God. That's a true statement. But we are God's children as we come to a place to where we've surrendered our hearts to the Lord and we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, how about this? The temptation was too strong. I couldn't resist. It was, it was way too strong. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 tells us that God always gives us a way of escape from falling to those temptations. So with their tradition, they made void the word of God. That's what Jesus was saying. With your traditions, you're making void the word of God in these people. You're basically making them believe that this supersedes the word of God, your teachings, what you're setting up as the Traditions of the elders. Well, in reality, of course, the tradition of the elders will, it will never supersede the word of God. Only in their imaginations. But what Jesus was saying is that they convinced the people that it was made void when in fact it never was. Now, I do want to say not all traditions are bad. But they are when they're, they are in conflict with, when they contradict Scripture and elevate tradition above the Word of God. Tradition is not equal with God's Word. They must be considered in light of the Bible, these traditions, and we must have the right perspective and estimation of the value of the Word above any tradition that we may come to know ourselves. And then... The Lord continues as the word gives us this in verses 10 through 14 to avoid the pit of false doctrine. Verse 10, 
as we continue. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Let's stop there for a moment. Avoid the pit of false doctrine. So Jesus, at this point, he, um, he, he, he stops his addressing and rebuttal of what was asked of him by the Pharisees and the scribes. And now he calls the people unto himself, all the people that were gathered around him. He brings them all around, and he addresses them regarding this issue. And he addresses those, really, we need to understand, he's addressing those who had been taught wrong doctrine. He's bringing them all around. He's gathering them. I want you to know something. Come, come over here. Maybe you overheard what the exchange was right here with myself and the Pharisees and the scribes. I want to bring you all around. I want to make sure that you know exactly what this means. And he very simply refutes it and tells them authoritatively what is true. Didn't. Jesus didn't try to convince them. Just notice this. It wasn't like this lengthy conversation with the people. He just stated, this is, this is the word of God. This is it right here. He very simply refutes what they had said. Jesus didn't try to convince them. He simply stated the truth. It was up to them whether they believed it or not. Whether they believed the truth or they didn't. Sometimes we do like... And it's good. Listen, if someone's open to listen and you can go back and forth a little bit, as long as there's, there's some kind of like you're doing it uh, with the right motives and it doesn't turn into some big old argument, that's not what we are to be known by. You know, just lovingly give them the truth and then withdraw. That's, by the way, a great strategy. It's like, like hit and move, right? <laughs> You have to do that. We need to do that as, as God's people. Unclean hands may be the cause of making people sick physically, but what actually defiles a person are the words that come out of the mouth, not what goes in. Why? Because the words Jesus was explaining establish what is in the heart. Uh, this had a wide meaning, by the way, because now we're also looking forward to when the Old Testament food laws would be basically abandoned. Acts 10.15, you can jot that down. This is the situation with Peter and how it was that the Lord gave him a vision regarding food. Um, it's very clear if you go through the book of Acts how, how this was established. And then it was stated here in Matthew chapter 15. We're going to continue to read through, and Jesus is explaining how it is that, that that doesn't, the intake of food does not defile a person. It's what comes out. Luke 6.45 says, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So really, a, a true test is uh, sometimes what we say in secret, what we say when we are hammering something and we hit our thumbs. You know, what comes out of our mouths? Profanity, uh, when we're dealt with uh, difficult situations, what, what comes out of our mouths 
you know, before others and, and before the Lord, really, most of all, that's, that's what we need to be aware of. That will gauge, that will help you realize where your heart truly is. Uh, what, in what kind of ways also are you speaking when no one else is around? I'm not talking about audible words. Remember that God knows the intents and the thoughts of our hearts. What are we saying? How are we speaking? And then in verses 12 through 14, Jesus, here we see that he's not concerned with offending those that teach false doctrine. It's kind of a comical exchange here. As, um, you know, we see here, uh, is it verse 12? Then the disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying, I just, Jesus, you deeply deeply offended them. Did you catch that? They were like flabbergasted. They, like their jaws hit the ground. They're like the religious leaders. They came from Jerusalem. They're like the, you know. What Jesus is concerned with is making sure that the truth is known. The disciples observed that the Pharisees were offended. As far as Jesus, that's okay. Their false word won't last. It will be plucked up, is what, they, what basically he told them. Matthew 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus apparently was not PC. He was not politically correct. He was BC. He was biblically correct. He is more interested in making sure he didn't offend his father rather than those that considered themselves his fathers in authority. need to make sure that we are blessing and glorifying the Lord if it comes at the expense of maybe how the world views you. He considered these people to be blind, and both they and those they lead will fall into a pit. Notice, though, that after Jesus addressed the false teaching and in their hypocrisy, he corrected and communicated the truth simply and then left it alone. Just completely left it alone. He was more interested in leading the faithful than combating the false. To make disciples of Jesus, the truth, the word, helping them understand it. I, I am sure that when he called the people around him, I, I don't, I'm not convinced that the Pharisees and the scribes, they just like put their tail between their legs and they ran off. I, I think they might have been within earshot themselves. Can you imagine? Hey, I just want to talk to you guys for a second. I just talked to them. And then just started talking to them. They're blind. I just called them hypocrites. Yes, I called them hypocrites because they're hypocrites. They're false teachers. At the same time, he was interested in these, like, I'm interested in you guys right here. I'm interested in you guys. I, wanna, I want to make sure that you know the truth, God's word. And that will equip you to when you go out, you discern what is false and what is true. That's making disciples of all nations. That's building you up in the truth of God's word. The most damaging and destructive thing that can come upon a people is a man or a group of men or people who are deceptive in leading and teaching the ignorant. The ignorant are not stupid. I'm not calling people who are ignorant stupid. I'm just saying you're without knowledge. 
for those who are without knowledge. And, and the blind, leading the blind down a path of destruction that leads to death, while all the while believing they are doing the right thing and on the right path because they never did their own due diligence and inspecting what they've said to either be truth or not. Careful that we are not simply satisfying our itching ears with things that satisfy the flesh with things we want to hear. Some of the most loving words, in fact, the most loving words, is just simply this, truth. It's okay. Just, just give me the truth. Don't water it down. Give it to me straight. In fact, you know what? Our youth, as they grow up, they, they've gone through, they've, they've been, they've been um, really given things that they want that just kind of like you go and we want to tell you what you want to hear. A lot, of, a lot of our youth today haven't been told simply the truth. This is it right here. Yes, all roads lead to heaven or lead to God, I'm sorry. All roads lead to God. But what they don't understand is that there's only one road that leads to heaven and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus said it's a, it's a very exclusive place. Jesus was sent, right? And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's actually a very loving proclamation. So you have an opportunity through him to know salvation, have all your sins forgiven, and know the freedom and liberty and the hope of heaven. That's, that's what we need to give everyone. Is the, this is the truth. Whether you like to hear it or not, that's the most loving thing that you can do. So be careful when you're, when you're going after those things that just satisfy those itching ears. And then thirdly, true defilement comes from the heart. Verse 15, as we continue and wrap up this study, but Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defiles a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Jesus strongly addresses Peter for still not understanding, after all, what, what Jesus has said. Are you still without understanding? But it wasn't just that Peter didn't fully understand what Jesus had taught, what he had explained. But really, we need to consider the background here, how it is that the Jewish people had been brought up under these rabbis. Remember that Peter and, and all the other disciples had been taught under the previous teaching. And now Jesus is t teaching them even something contrary to what they've been taught. So it's like, let me get this. It's like us going to Jesus as we read his word. And we come across something, and we're like, whoa, this is, this is way beyond what I have come to believe and even live in my life. All this time I was believing this, when in fact, now, now I find that it's contrary to the word of God. So it's like us speaking to God and saying, let me get this straight. Is what you're saying this? 
So Peter, even in his question, even in Jesus' exhortation and rebuke, it's helping Peter understand really what the word of God says. Jesus, in his explanation, took it a little further to help them understand. It is natural and deliberate to see the results of what is taken in. Um, Jesus was a bit more descriptive in his embellishment, you could say, in a good way of what he had said. You know, in, in his explanation, expound basically the, the word that he had said, that he had taught. And just as when something is consumed, it is expelled physically, what is brought into the heart has a spiritual flow that ends up coming out through the words we speak. Jesus was em- emphasizing to his disciples that defilement is what comes out of the mouth because the heart is soiled. The heart is soiled, so is the mouth. If it's, if it's coming out that way, just know its source. Again, that's to help us all understand, hey, listen, consider what's coming out of the mouth, what you're thinking, the intents of your heart, so that we could repent of that and ask the Lord, you know what, fill me with your spirit. I want to I not speak what is profane against you and I want to start speaking and, and really understanding and knowing and, and living and thinking those things that please you and are a blessing to you. And then Jesus gives an example of, of how this works. Evil thoughts, you're thinking evil thoughts. You know, it's amazing how it is even in the middle of prayer. How we can come up with thoughts that it's like, where did that come from? You're like, Lord, now I have to ask for forgiveness over what, what I do. Why did I think that? Where did that evil thought come from? And it says here it comes from the heart. Comes from the heart. Okay, murder. Comes from the heart. Adultery. Comes from the heart. Sexual immorality. In case adultery doesn't cover it. Okay. Fornication, that is... Uh, is having intimacy before marriage, you know, um, all kinds of different, in case it's all covered there. Where does it come from? From the heart. Theft. From the heart. False witness. Oh, speaking against someone. Falsely. It comes from the heart. How about slander? Tearing someone down. Um... Falsely and really unnecessarily, it comes from the heart. And those are the things that come from the heart. He, he listed them all out. These are the things that come from the heart and are expressed in our lives, and that's what defiles people. But eating without washing your hands, now that doesn't defile anyone. This all comes to this, and and this is what really as Jesus turns his attention from those who had been teaching falsely, those, he he already confronted them. He already already told them, hey, listen, well did Isaiah prophesy. Um, What you have achieved is 
in the hearts of people, making void really the word of God. And really his focus was on the people, bringing them in and saying, hey, listen, this is really the truth of the matter. And through his teaching, what he was bringing them to is really a manifestation, a, a, a revelation in their own lives of the thoughts, the intents of the heart, the words that are spoken. Consider those things above washing your hands. The outside, the, the outward uh, things. Just for a moment, think about what you've been saying, what you've been thinking, what you've been living in your lives. And if it's contrary to the word of God, then it's a defilement. It, it, it spoils you before the Lord. And the good part about that is that the word tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's no ceremonial washing that we need to do. There's no amount of good works that will make us better in the eyes of the Lord. There are no number of mouths that we are to feed, no number of people that we are to clothe that will make us right in the eyes of the Lord. It's simply confessing to the Lord that we have fallen short in asking him for forgiveness. That's what's awesome about, about Christianity. It's, it's not that we have the liberty to sin, but we have the liberty to not sin. And when we do find ourselves in that place to where we've fallen short, we simply genuinely ask for forgiveness and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the good news. That is, we have been saved by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. We no longer have to worry about our, our sins condemning us to hell. We don't have to worry about that. It's just dishonoring the Lord. We dishonor the Lord. Oh, that's a shame. As you reveal those, those things to me, Lord, I, I want to I repent of those things. I want to confess those things to you. I agree with you. They're not of you. And ask him for forgiveness. Really, that is where we ought to be all the time. It's just allowing the Lord to examine our hearts and reveal to us things, and then for us to give them to the Lord and hopefully allow him to do that, that sanctifying work in our lives that we would mo more closely resemble Jesus Christ to his glory. And really, really, he blesses us through that. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So be transformed by the renewal of your mind. How? Through the reading of the word, coming to understand it, and applying it to your lives. And I, I just, I want to also let you know, right now, if you, if you don't know, number one, if you don't know a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray that this morning would be the day that you surrender your hearts to Jesus Christ. You simply confess your sins to him, ask him for, your forg for, for forgiveness, and, and he will forgive you of your sins and ask him to be Lord and Savior. He desires that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He desires that you would come into that intimate relationship with him. He will take all that away from you and he will clothe you with righteousness, the righteousness of his son, and he'll look at you just as if you have never sinned. 
and you will have the hope of heaven now and for all eternity. I pray that this morning would be the day of salvation and you would come to that place of just crying out to the Lord and asking him for forgiveness and, and asking him to be Lord and Savior. And for us, you know, the, the church, I, I pray that this would be that, that study, that time of sitting at the Lord's feet to where we would come to realize maybe there's some things in my life that I've just held them as traditions and even other things that I have um, brought up as scripture or the word or made excuses for doing in my own life and, and I want to just give them all to the Lord and I want to know the word of God. That supersedes anything that, it, that, that I have in my mind that is opposed to the word of God. It, it just, the word of God is the authority in my life and I just want to ask Lord that you would help me to walk according to your word by the spirit to your glory honoring you before all people and that you would give me confidence also to speak the truth to people that I would not stand by and just uh, you know not say anything that I would speak the truth and let people know who you are Father, we thank you, Lord, for sending that indescribable gift of Jesus Christ. Lord, that through him we have a, a certain hope, Lord, of forever being in your presence. And I do pray that you would help us, the church, Father, live lives that are in constant pursuit of growth, Lord, um, just uh, we have the desire to bless you, to honor you, to know your word, apply it to our lives. And that if there are any thoughts, any words that are coming from our mouths that are not glorifying and honoring to you, Lord, that you would just put us in check, Lord. Help us, Lord, to give that to you. And Lord, in, in, instead of having mouths that, that, um, that curse man and bless God with the same mouth, Lord, that, that this would not be in our lives and that we would speak wholesome words, ones that are words of encouragement, of truth, Father. And we would honor you with our lips. Purify our hearts, I ask. May we serve you with clean hands and may we look to you having our eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you, Father, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.